That's who's behind it. Satan is the god of this world, the prince of the power of the air. Remember we talked about that in Ephesians 2? He's in control of all the demons across the face of this planet who are all connected together in a network that is in constant communication with the devil who communicates to his lieutenants through the speed of thought. And he, you know, broadcasts his bidding to them and they kind of work together to create a world system that, you know, is affecting everything. Everything. Now, when God destroys the world system, all that's left is the demonic hordes that were manipulating it. But... This judgment is coming on the Babylonian world system because it says here that they, it has polluted the whole world with spiritual and moral fornication. Verse 3 says, For all the nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. Speaking of Babylon. The kings of the earth have committed fornication with her, and the merchants of the earth have become rich through the abundance of her Luxury. The word merchants there is a Greek word that literally means those who travel. This is not talking about those who produce goods or manufacture goods. It is talking about brokers who travel about the earth, who deal in volume, who are the big rollers, you know, the very wealthy, uh, you know, the ones that really are, you know, you think of gigantic corporations, those involved in big business, big profit. Uh, God is going to judge. This is God's judgment upon big business and corrupt capitalism. It's not wrong to be a big business. I'm not one who believes all big businesses are evil. I believe that many of them are probably decent and they they, they do their best to keep people employed and so on. But so often what it takes to become a big worldwide business means you have to cut corners. You have to, you know, come together with groups that, you know, like, like retailers going into China and things like that. I mean, you're partnering now with communist countries whose human rights violations are, you know, are well known. Um, and, and yet, you know, the, the mentality is, well, there's a market here. Those folks need products too, but in the process you're enriching this evil government. So there's a lot going on there in the name of prophets that God is unhappy about. And it doesn't just happen in China, it happens here too. And uh, God is going to judge big corrupt corporations, corrupt capitalism, those that reject the authority of God who get so big that they actually think that they can make the rules themselves. Um, What's in view here is really the unholy alliance between business and government. You know, for many, many years, government and business has remained separate. It's been in recent years that we have seen our government partnering with corporations. And when that happens, people like you and I, we always lose. Because special uh, things are given to corporations. And uh, in in the final analysis, I think that it, it hurts people, even small business owners and things. But... I don't want to get off on that whole thing, all right? It's just that we see it all coming to a head here. And, and all this stuff, God is just judging because of the corruptness of it and, and so on. And it has bred false worship and other things, the worship of money primarily. And so it's a system that has intoxicated the people of the world with riches and pleasures that it has to offer. We read in 2 Timothy 3, verse 4, that in the last days, one of the things that's going to characterize people is they're going to be lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, or rather than lovers of God. 
And the world system is catering to that very thing. It's catering to people's baser pleasures and sensual desires. And when you start feeding the flesh on that level, look out. I mean, look at what has happened in our world since the Internet has come online. And I'm not against the Internet. I use it. But the pornography, look how it's fueled some of these baser passions among people. And look at the proliferation of child pornography and rape and incest and all these horrible things that I believe are the result of people just nonstop feeding themselves on these images until they, they become so satiated they can't even get satisfied anymore by looking at the images. They have to go out and act out some of these horrible things. So when you start feeding people, and the world, of course, which the devil is behind, uh, he's only too happy to feed this. And of course, this is going to be a period of time where the church is taken out of here. And so initially, all the light has been removed, the salt of the earth. And so the world just becomes a, like an open, putrefying sore. And it just evil just runs wild. It's interesting to note the final global economy is not going to be communistic. It's going to be exceedingly materialistic. As people will be obsessed with luxuries and fine goods. And when God finally destroys it, the merchants of the earth, of the earth they mourn over the loss of it. And among the things that they mourn, as we're going to see, they mourn the loss of oil. And it could be petroleum oil that's in view in part. Oil shipments and so on. Well, verse 4. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, lest you share in her sins and lest you receive of her plagues. Now, it's hard for us to comprehend that a child of God could be a part of religious Babylon, although I have seen it. I have seen people who are genuine believers who have remained in the Roman Catholic Church. I have seen Christians who are involved in some very liberal Protestant churches. And you ask them, well, why are you staying in these churches when, you know, it's Babylon, basically? And they will tell you often, well, I feel that God wants me here to help people out, to be a light here. You know, I don't, um, I don't argue with the motive there, but I, I, I disagree with the method. I've told people this before. Let me say it again. If, if a friend of yours falls into, a, into quicksand, you don't jump in to help them out. You stand on the shore in a safe place, throw them a rope. I mean, I don't see anywhere in the Bible where we're, we're told to jump into the world to get involved in a false religion and false um, commercialism or you know, corrupt commercialism to help people out. I mean, you know, if something is corrupt... You don't get in there and be a part of it. But God says, come out of her, my people, you know. We don't become like the world or reach the world. So I think that God is at saying at this point, look, those of you who belong to me, it's time to leave. It's time to stop messing around. There's no more hope for the people that are left here. Uh, their time has really come and gone. They've refused to receive uh, my son, all that's left is judgment. So you know what? Like Lot, uh, the angels being sent to deliver Lot out of Sodom and Gomorrah. Uh, you know what? There's no more time for ministry, no more time for witnessing. The time is gone. Lot, get out of there. What was Lot even doing in there in the first place has been my question my whole Christian life. I'm sure he had his reasons. 
But a true child of God doesn't belong living in Sodom and Gomorrah. Lot was an alderman, by the way. He was a city father. And again, I think he probably had some good intentions and all, but you know what? There comes a time when God said, enough is enough. It's time to leave because I'm going to destroy this place. And that's basically what he's saying to his people here. The time has come. Get out of her. Now, we can see how that sometimes true Christians could be involved in a in, in religious Babylon, um, although we don't probably see that too often. However, when it comes to commercial Babylon, that's a trap we all have to be careful of because materialism is something that all of us are tempted by. And so that's something that's, I think, much more prevalent in the lives of God's people, that temptation. All we, especially living in America, we have so many blessings on a materialistic level that, that the devil's always using those things to kind of pull us away from God, get us distracted, you know, give you that boat you've always wanted. And as the old saying goes, the two happiest days in the man's life is the day he buys his boat and the day he, day he sells his boat. So in, and in between those two times, there's a lot of distraction. Or you'll go out and buy that motorcycle, or you buy that summer home, or that whatever it might be. And not that any of those things are evil, but they can become major distractions, which can take you away from what God's really called you to do, which is to serve Him. We have to be careful of that. I mean, in the Old Testament, God said numerous places to His people to come out of Babylon. I don't think He was talking about literal Babylon there. I'll give you some examples. In Jeremiah 51, verse 6, it says, Flee from the midst of Babylon, and everyone save his life. Do not be cut off in her iniquity. Uh, for this is the time of the Lord's vengeance. He shall recompense her. And I believe he was talking about either this time we're studying about or when God did uh, cause Babylon to fall in the Old Testament. But in Jeremiah 51, verse 45, my people go out from the midst of her and let everyone deliver himself from the fierce anger of the Lord. Isaiah 52, verse 11. Depart, depart, go out from there. Touch no unclean thing, go out from the midst of her. Be clean, you who bear the vessels of the Lord. In other words, the servants of the Lord. It's time to leave Babylon. I think those are probably talking about what we're reading about in Revelation 18. A future time. When God's people, for whatever reason, had been entangled with some of the practices of Babylon, and God is saying, it's time for you to get out. I'm going to destroy this thing, whether we're talking about, at this point, a literal city or a system or whatever it might be. Now, the New Testament tells us as Christians that we are to flee from Babylon in the spiritual sense. You know, the spirit of Babylon, the mentality that goes into Babylon. I mean, I think most of us, and I hope... Well, I hope all of us stay away from the spiritual pull of Babylon. Although, as we have said many times, the spirit of Babylon has crept into the church. We see a lot of Eastern mysticism going on in the church today. You see a lot of um, Eastern mysticism, Eastern meditation, contemplative prayer, even Christian yoga now. So you see a lot of spiritual influences of Babylon that have come into the church in these last days. And again, the Bible talks about how that a great apostasy will take hold in the church in the last days where people would depart from the faith, the faith that was committed to the church, you know, that we are supposed to contend for, Jude tells us earnestly. We're seeing that today, but also we are commanded to flee 
a commercial or materialistic Babylon in the sense that, you know, the world is not our home. We're not to become entangled in the cares of this life. But there are numerous passages. 2 Corinthians 6, verses 14 and 17. Paul said, Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship is righteousness with lawlessness? And what communion has light with darkness? Therefore come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean, and I will receive you. Ephesians 5.11. Paul says, And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. We are in the world, but we are not to be of the world. We have to be in the world. This is where God has placed us, but we don't have to have the world be in us. And that's the idea. We are to be a light in the darkness. But when the darkness gets into us, it's bad news for the church. Well, Revelation 18, verse 5. For her sins have reached to heaven, and God has remembered her iniquities. Their sins have reached to heaven. The Greek is, their sins have piled up one on top of each other like a tower. And I'm wondering if the Tower of Babel was in the angel's mind or in the mind of God when this was spoken. But that's where it all started, didn't it? It says that God is going to remember her iniquities. Aren't you thrilled that Hebrews 8 verse 12 says that God will not remember our sins? Didn't David say, oh, how blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquities? I mean, isn't it wonderful that through the blood of Christ, our sins have been washed away. They have been buried in the sea of forgetfulness. And God puts up a sign that says no fishing allowed. It's over with. They're gone. They're gone. And it's all because of what Jesus did. Of course, the people of this world who reject Christ, they are going to stand before God and have to give an account to him for everything they've ever done. We'll see this more uh, in chapter 20. But um, as the Bible says, it is a terrifying thing to fall into the hands of a living God apart from Christ. I mean, I wouldn't want to stand in the presence of a holy God in my sin. Thank God that you and I are in Christ. And so God does not see us. He sees Christ, and we are in him and covered by his blood. But this seems to be the final call to God's people who still remain in this corrupt system which is about to be destroyed, God is saying one last time, come out from among her. The day of ministry is over with. Now judgment is coming. Verse 6. Render to her just as she rendered to you and repay her double according to her works in the cup which she has mixed, mixed double for her. The word render there is a Greek word that means to pay a debt or to give back that which is due. God is going to give to commercial Babylon exactly what she deserves. Obadiah, in verse 15, says, For the day of the Lord upon all the nations is near. As you have done, it shall be done to you. Your reprisal shall return upon your own head. So nobody gets away with anything. People think that there are individuals or even nations that are getting away with things. Nobody is getting away with anything. And those people that refuse to come to Christ, they're going to stand before God. And before that even happens, he may wind up judging and destroying them. And of course, we know it's going to happen to the world system. 
but he went on to say, repay her double according to her works. You know, in the law, I'm thinking of Exodus 22, verses 4, 7, and 9. It says, if anybody steals from another person, they are to repay double. And it could be an indication that the um, wealth of Babylon has been gotten through theft, thievery, you know, um, where people have been ripped off and uh, the wealth of this world system has been built on the backs of people whose lands, you know, if you're a believer in Christ at this time, a tribulation saint, you're not going to worship the Antichrist. They're going to confiscate your land. They're going to build an empire off of the wealth of others. It's theft, and God's going to repay them double for what they are going to do. Well, verse 7. In the measure that she glorified herself and lived luxuriously, the Greek is lived sensually, in the same measure give her torment and sorrow. For she says in her heart, I sit as queen and am no widow and will not see sorrow. Babylon is judged by God for three sins. First of all, she's proud. She glorified herself, it says. God's very touchy about his glory. And rightly so. He said, I will not give my glory to another. And when people take glory for themselves, when they take credit for what God has done, God gets upset with that. The Bible says, what do you have that you did not receive? Now, if you did indeed receive it, why do you glory as if you have not received it? In other words, if God is using you, and he's talking to Christians now, if God is using you and I, and of course it is God if he's using it, I mean, we're being used at all, it's God doing it. And so if God begins to use you and you begin to see fruit in your ministry, the worst thing to do is begin to pat yourself in the back and take credit for it. You give glory to God all the way, and God will continue to use you. If you start taking credit for anything God has done, he'll put you on a shelf so fast and end your ministry because he won't share his glory with another. And many a man and woman who started off with a humble heart and God began to use them, got proud and lifted up along the way, and God has brought their ministries crashing down. And we see examples of this all over the place. So she was, she's proud. She glorified herself. Secondly, she pursued self-gratification. She lived sensually. The Bible says in 1 Timothy 5, 6, that those who live sensually are dead while they live. And Paul said in Galatians 6, 7 and 8, verses 7 and 8, uh, don't be deceived. Whatever a man sows that, he is also going to reap. If you sow to the flesh, you're going to of the flesh reap corruption or judgment. If you sow to the Spirit, you will reap of the Spirit everlasting life. So this world system, of course, glorified itself, pursued self-gratification. Number three, uh, she was guilty of self-sufficiency and pride in overestimating her power. She said in her heart, I sit as a queen. Isn't that interesting? What does that remind you of? Jeremiah 44, 7, the queen of heaven. Okay, we've talked about that, right? I sit as a queen. It's interesting because Babylon was all about the queen of heaven, which was Semiramis initially. But as the system spread throughout the world, every major culture on, on the planet has a, a queen of heaven, goddess that they worship, and a child, because she was the mother of Tammuz. And Tammuz, you know, whether you're talking about Baal or, Afri or Ashtoreth or Aphrodite and um, I think it was Cupid, or, you know, every culture has their mother-daughter 
cult. Excuse me, mother-son cult. And uh, we see it all over the place. Uh, and she is called the queen of heaven. And so she says in her heart, I sit as queen and I'm not a widow and will never see mourning. See, this was the proud boast of ancient Babylon. We read in various places, Isaiah 47, Ezekiel 27, Zephaniah chapter 2, where she said things like, I will be queen forever. I will not sit as a widow, nor no uh, loss of children. In other words, she's basically saying, I'm invincible. I'm going to continue to reign. I'm going to never be deposed. I'm going to never know death in the sense of the men, the armies of Babylon being destroyed and children being made fatherless or women widowed. It was a statement of pride and arrogance. And of course, God has a way of bringing down the proud, doesn't he? We said how that Babylon seemed to be absolutely invulnerable. And yet God brought it down. So this, is the, the, this, this was Babylon, that she was proud, glorified herself. She pursued self-gratification. You've been listening to Day by Day, the verse-by-verse Bible teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel in Elk Grove Village, Illinois, with Pastor Phil Ballmeyer. Today's message, as well as many other studies, can be heard and downloaded free of charge from our website at daybydayradio.org. From our website, you can contact us, order resources, read Pastor Phil's blog, and also subscribe to our daily podcast. We hope you'll pay us a visit. And remember to join us for Day by Day, Monday through Friday, here on this station. Thanks again for listening, and please join us again next time as we continue to study God's Word. Until then, may the Lord richly bless you and guide your steps as you walk with Him day by day. He said for